My apologies for all of you expecting Polly. You've got the first reserve, I'm afraid. Um, our uh, second reading is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, uh, chapter 25, and I'll be beginning to read at verse 14. And uh, you'll find that on page 994 of the Bibles in the pews. So that's Matthew chapter 25, and I'll begin reading at verse 14. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Yet, well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Good morning. Um, Please do keep that passage uh, open in front of you. Um, Let's... uh, Uh, Ask God to help us uh, hear what he's saying to us, though. Let's uh, pray. Dear Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, your, your breath who carries your word to us. 
We pray that you will help us to hear what you've got to say to us. And it won't just impact our minds, but also impact our hearts this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ji-ho is a Christian in North Korea. I've been in a country that teaches its children to hate Christians and report any signs of them to the authorities. She lives in fear of being discovered and arrested by the secret police, as her father was. Now, if that happened, at best that would result in her living in total poverty, ostracised by everyone else, but more likely she'd end up in a labour camp or simply be executed. But despite how much fear she feels and how much it costs her, Jiho has been faithful to God. How has she done that? Naomi is a Christian in the UK. She had to leave her home in her early teens as it wasn't safe for her. And she struggled with physical and mental illness. Those two things cost her her place at uni and it's kept her out of work. So she doesn't have a place or much stuff to call her own. But despite the way that her life has been so tough for so long, Naomi hasn't given up trusting God. How has she done that? You are a Christian. The people you mix with at best think you're weird to follow God. And some can be downright mean. And that makes you wary and scared. Doing Christian stuff costs you time, energy and money. As well as meaning you miss out on the things your peers say are really great fun to do. And every so often you hear a nagging voice in your head saying, Is it true... Is it worth it? But despite the pressure you feel on the outside and the inside, you've been faithful to God. How have you done that? And more importantly, how are you going to keep doing that? Well, over the last few weeks in our morning services, we've been thinking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, unlike the gifts he gives to all Christians, which enable us to serve him in a a special way at a particular time, e.g. the gift of prophecy, administration, hospitality, the fruit of God the Holy Spirit are positive character traits, or to use an older word, virtues, that he being in our lives gives us and and are there all the time. Uh, For example, he gives us a deep-down desire to love like Jesus did in every area of our lives. And one of these fruits of him being in our lives, according to Galatians 5.22, is faithfulness. Or to put it another way, over time, the Holy Spirit works inside of us and changes us, so we have a greater deep-down desire to be faithful to God. And at a very simple level... There's our answer. Christians faithfully face persecution and problems, disappointment and disaster, fear and foes, because God the Holy Spirit pours that fruit of faithfulness into their lives. But here's the question. 
Does he really do that? See, I don't know about you, but I can't say that every moment of the day I am conscious of being faithful to God. It's rare that I do big or bold things or make huge sacrifices to be faithful to him. I can't say I generally experience an overwhelming, compelling desire to live God's way. And even when I do want to do the faithful thing, I often find it's a bit of a battle. And it's not always a battle that I win, because sometimes I think, well, Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sin, so this time I'll just compromise. And maybe you've thought or felt similar things at one time or another. The thing is, those thoughts and feelings, they can make us ask some difficult questions. From how am I meant to be faithful to God? Through what is wrong with me that being faithful is so hard? Through to if being faithful to God is so tough, am I really a Christian at all? And those questions and ones like them can weigh heavily on us. They can make us anxious. They can even knock our faith for six. So because of that, it's important to know just what the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of faithfulness in our lives both looks and feels like. And we're going to do that by asking three questions. Firstly, what does being faithful to God look like? What does being faithful to God look like? If you've got that passage, Matthew 25, open, um, uh, keep uh, an eye on it as we work through it. Excuse me. So that passage in Matthew 25, it's a bit like the Bible's version of The Apprentice. You've basically got a big boss who gives three candidates the job of doubling an investment he makes in them, verse 15, 17. And they've got until he comes back at the end of his business trip, verse 19. And when he returns, he calls all these three into the boardroom. And after grilling them in a uh, Lord Sugar-style way, he finds out the first two candidates have made 100% profit on the investment he gave them. That's verse 20 to 23. And in the spirit of the apprentice, they get the joy of having both a reward for their hard work and a thumbs up from their boss. The third candidate, though, he's made no profit at all. He basically says it's because he knows his boss is a dodgy guy and he was scared of losing his boss's money. So very different to Lord Sugar at that point, just in case he's listening. (laughs) That doesn't wash with his boss, though. Um, But rather than simply leaving the process, this candidate is stripped of all he has and is literally kicked to the curb. Verse 28 to 30. Now, as you might know, Jesus told this parable to help us see what happens when he returns to judge the earth. The thing it very clearly does show to us, though, is what faithfulness looks like. I I think it tells us that faithfulness to God is using what God has entrusted to you for his glory. Your time energy, money, possessions, relationships, talents, words, actions. It's everything you have because it's all from him anyway. 
And whilst for some of us, faithfulness might mean doing big public things, for most of us, faithfulness will be quiet, ordinary and unnoticed. And I think it's important to see that because often we measure our faithfulness to God by comparing ourselves to other people. Whether consciously or not, we look at missionaries or ministry leaders or Christian authors and we think they're more faithful than us because of what they do. We also look round at each other in the church, uh, at people who are involved in lots of ministries, note lots of memory verses, or bring their friends to church events, and think they're more faithful than us because they're involved in more stuff than we are. But God doesn't give us all the same amount of gold. He calls some of us to very public things and others to quiet, unnoticed things. He gives some of us huge capacity, high energy levels, and superb health, and others he doesn't. Our faithfulness, therefore, doesn't mean we have to strive to do what the best Christian we know does. Our faithfulness is us using our time, energy, money, gifts, relationships, abilities. The ones that God's given us today... For his glory today. No more, no less. So you don't need to compare yourself with other Christians to see you're being faithful. You just need to, before God, be honest with yourself. Because faithfulness is just doing the things God has called you to do. Today. Here and now. Now, you might be thinking, that's all well and good, but if God's forgiven our sin, why should we bother being faithful? And that's our second question. Why should we be faithful to God? Why should we be faithful to God? A little while ago, I saw a little comment on the internet. Um, It was this guy's signature at the bottom of a forum, and it said... Go and support Cardiff City. They don't watch me when I'm bad. Um, And I think I found that funny because often sports fans demonstrate this die-hard faithfulness to their teams. They spend loads of money uh, and effort following them all across the world sometimes. And what do they get in return? At best, if their team wins something, they might get an hour or so of joy and bragging rights at work. But really, sports teams do not reward their fans' faithfulness at all. The parable tells us, though, that God is different. Just have a look down at verse 21, or or verse 23, because they're the same. This master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Now, just think about that for a moment, right? God could just command us to be faithful because it's right. He could say, I've done so much for you. You need to be faithful to me out of gratitude. But he doesn't. He said, 
be faithful so I can reward you. Now, exactly what that reward is, um, I'm not sure. The New Testament gives you some hints. But one thing you do know about it is that the reward for your faithfulness will be amazingly good. And missing out on it like the third servant does will be a tragedy. As well as being good, though, it will also be fair. As we thought, God calls some people to harder things than others. And being faithful in those things can be more costly. So take the Apostle Paul, for example. Being faithful to God meant him being mocked, beaten, publicly tried, shipwrecked and killed while coping with hunger, rejection and just walking a long way. My driving 30 minutes to church doesn't quite compare. But as we saw in the parable, God is fair. The servant with more responsibility rightly gets more reward. And those of us who it's cost more to be faithful will be rewarded more too. So why be faithful to God in whatever he calls us to do? Because he's no man's debtor and one day he will reward us. And that truth is something I think we need to help each other not lose sight of. I want you to imagine tomorrow morning you hear a rattle in the letterbox um, and there is an envelope and it says to fill in your name from God and in that envelope is cash just cold hard cash equating to how faithful you've been to God the previous week do you think if that's the way God worked you would be more faithful to God I would like to say no but I think the honest answer is yes because the reward is very imminent and it's very tangible and I want it but despite what some preachers would suggest God doesn't do it that way the parable tells us we have to wait until the last day for our reward and I think we need to keep reminding each other of that truth because remembering we will in time be rewarded is what is going to keep us being faithful to God. And not just that, it will make it less of a duty and more of a delight. That does beg one last question, though. And this is the third of the three. How can we be more faithful? How can we be more faithful? See, I don't know about you, but I find that parable a little bit scary. Because on first reading, verses 28 to 30 seem to be saying that if a Christian isn't faithful, they'll not just miss out on a reward. God will kick them out of his wonderful kingdom into a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or to put it another way, hell. And that raises some theological questions, but also some personal ones. Because I'm all too aware that I am far from faithful to God with everything that he has given me. So what is going on here? And more importantly, should I be worried? Well, just flick back over a page to Matthew 24, verse 12.
This is what Jesus says as he begins talking. Because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see, in those verses, part of this same speech, Jesus is clear that people who love him and don't stop loving him are the ones who he will save. And all the rest of Jesus' teachings about Judgment Day come in the context of that. Jesus is not promoting a gospel of works or simply confused. But it still appears to say in chapter 25, doesn't it, that if a, Christian, if a person is a Christian and isn't faithful, they won't be saved. So how do you square those two things? Well, I think the third servant, he doesn't represent Christians who are trying to be faithful and get it wrong. Just think about it. That servant doesn't even use one little bit of his master's gift to make a profit. I think that servant represents a person who claims to be a Christian, but doesn't, for whatever reason, give a hoot about serving God. On that last day, that person will be cast out of God's presence because they've shown they're unfaithful, by their unfaithfulness, that they're not actually a Christian at all. So I think if you're worried by this passage because you're aware of how often you fail to be faithful, you probably don't need to be. If you're not bothered by your lack of faithfulness, then this might be a warning to you that you're not actually ready to stand before your master on that great and final day. But if that is you, the great news of the gospel is that though we're unfaithful, God is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And if we ask Jesus today to forgive us and make us faithful people who will get a reward from him, he will do just that. And judgment day will be transformed from being a tragic ending to a beautiful beginning. And if you want to talk more uh, about that, please do grab me, Gideon, Miles, someone you've seen or someone you've come with. Um, We'd be glad to chat with you more about those things. It might be, though, that you're already a Christian here today, but you are very aware that you're not the faithful person God wants you to be. So how, how can you grow in your faithfulness? Well, just flick back to Matthew 25. Um, verse 16. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now I'm conscious we need to be careful when we handle the Bible not to read stuff into verses. So you know I'm going to do that now. <laughs> I don't think so. But in that verse... We see that faithfulness to the master means hard work for the servant. And I think we too become more faithful by working. And you might be thinking this this is a talk on faithfulness being a a fruit of the spirit. The whole point is it's not about working. But I reckon that they, they both go hand in hand with each other. 
Um, my mum was the Great Britain javelin champion in 1966. Uh, and though she was naturally gifted at throwing pointy sticks a long way, um, she, she didn't stop there. She didn't just turn up at an event, throw a pointy stick, win, because that's what she always did. Um, she got coaching. She put in hard work um, so she could get the most out of her God-given gift. And I think it's similar when it comes to faithfulness. That Holy Spirit lives in each and every Christian and it is fruit-bearing changes us from being people who don't care a jot about God to people who do care about him and want to do stuff to please him. But the Holy Spirit's fruit doesn't mean that being faithful just becomes a walk in the park. It requires hard work still. But why is that? Well, because there are people around us who will tell us that being faithful to God is a waste of our lives and it's hard to swim against the tide. Our old natures that are still in us, even if we're believers, put unfaithful thoughts into our heads and desires into our heart. And it's hard work not to listen to them and act on them. And however it works, the devil and his minions will try and tempt us into being unfaithful too. And it's really tiring to keep resisting. So what I want to say is don't be surprised or embarrassed that you find it hard to be faithful people. Or even that you wish you didn't have to be. It's not desirable, but it is normal. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian or that there is something wrong with your faith. In fact, you're continuing to battle against them, I would say, is a sign that the Holy Spirit is bearing fruit in your life. So be encouraged by the fact that it's a battle. But is there anything we can do that will help us keep working, keep fighting to be faithful to God? Well, I think the answer is yes. I think as we remember God's faithfulness to his people in the past, particularly in Jesus, as we take God at his word and experience his faithfulness to us in the present, and as we pray to him and ask us to help us be the faithful people we should be in the future. Now again, all those things take hard work on our part. And as I'm sure we're aware, the world, the flesh and the devil are, are going to make doing that a real battle. But I think when we do, we'll find not just the answer to our question, how can we be more faithful? But we'll also find more joy as we realise that we're racking up a reward in heaven, a reward that is beyond our wildest dreams and lasts for eternity. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you that you are so good and kind to us. Thank you that in your kindness you don't demand our faithfulness because we have to, but that you reward us for it. Thank you that you give us your spirit who helps us to be faithful people. Thank you that you give us your grace that we need to work hard at faithfulness. And thank you for your word that reminds us of these things. 
Please help us to think more on what we've heard you say um, and help us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Miles.